Welcome to American Girlies, the podcast where Canadian historians read the American girl novels. I'm Margot Mathieu. I'm Hannah Sparwasser Soroka. And I'm Sonia Ann. And today we are reviewing Samantha Saves the Day, written by Valerie Tripp in 1988. As usual, we're going to start out with a little summary, then give some historical context, and then head into our discussion. But first of all, how are you guys doing today? Good. I have recovered from my illness. (laughs) Ah, I am so sleepy. I think I'm coming down with something. No. We are opposite trajectory. I think think both of you need to go and spend some time at a summer We both did this summer. Just like our characters this week. Clearly, I need to take to the benevolent airs. not doing it enough. Yes, I should go to the seaside. listeners into the loop about this book. The summary is Samantha and the whole crew go to Piney Point, which is Grand Mary's summer home. And while they're there, they find a sketchbook that belonged to Samantha's mom. And she had painted pictures of herself, her husband, and Samantha as a little baby at a nearby island, going on all kinds of little adventures. So Samantha and the demon twins decide they're going to go out and explore the island on their own without telling anyone. And of course, this ends with them getting stuck there's a storm but they are rescued at the last possible second and then everyone's happy around the fireside wrapped in blankets drinking cocoa the end neat tidy little i like that they're officially the demon twins oh god (laughs) but they're terrible they cause so many problems all the time poor nelly yeah nelly has been usurped by two of the worst characters in children's literature (laughs) Nelly wouldn't yeah. tie off that boat. Nelly wouldn't leave the Nelly boat. Nelly would have let an adult know where they were the going. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> exactly. And not Nelly's, left it. Nelly's better huh. than this. <laughs> and not left it to Grand Mary's boyfriend to come save everybody. For the historical context, I think we should have a discussion about why Grand Mary has a like country house that she summers in, why Nellie <laughs> for sure isn't there, and uh, basically why people were doing this. So, right, the concept of I own a home in the countryside, but I also own a home in the city is like ancient, centuries old. I don't know. However long back you had people who had a manor house or an estate or owned some kind of land in the country but also was wealthy enough to have a house in the city right that's a thing that people have been doing for a very long time but for the most part these were situations where you were the like feudal lord or whatever of an estate right so your country house was typically going to be generating income from your tenants And then you would have your townhouse that you would go to typically in the winter when like it's the off season and you can do your town business while the ground is all frozen. 
But by the Tudor era, we do see a little bit of a shift where you start having these unfortified country houses, right? So it's no longer necessarily like a defensive structure in the landscape. It's more so like administrative, but also you're going there for hunting and fishing and etc. And, you know, this continues to be popular. Think, you know, Pride and Prejudice or Bridgerton, where they all have houses in town in London, right? But they also have their like stately country homes where they're mostly spending summers again, because that's when you'd want to be out in the countryside, not when it's frozen solid. But we start seeing kind of a shift with people who don't necessarily have tenant farmers having these country houses, right? Where, okay, I have a home in a city or a town, but I want to have somewhere to go in the summertime that isn't the city. And this isn't something that's generating me income. It's not generating revenue. It's just because I want to be A, having fun, and B, going out there for my health. And a big driver of this is this idea of like taking the good airs and having clean, fresh air, especially due to the spread of tuberculosis during the Victorian period. So physicians in the 19th and early 20th centuries believed that tuberculosis could be slowed or in many cases you could recover from it if you had fresh air, particularly in high altitudes and lots of sunshine. And while this is not entirely true, having like fresh air and good ventilation does prevent TB from spreading and higher altitudes actually does stop the TB bacteria from spreading as rapidly as deeply into the lungs. So there is like reasons behind why people are saying, okay, I want to get out of the cities when it's hot and humid because that's when it's the worst for a lot of sickness. So if you had the money to do it, you would go and spend the summers in the countryside when the temperatures are hot and humid. As previously discussed in the Baba Yaga Back to School episode, this is actually why summer holidays exist, because rich people would say, no, we're taking our kids out of the city for a couple months, so there was no point in keeping schools open. Of course, this is not accessible to people like Nellie, who are working year-round, basically. So this is why Nellie is not in this story, because she can't just up and leave for the summer and go do something for a few months. However, that being said, there is this idea, right, of leisure in general is kind of picking up at this point. There, by the early 20th century, working hours are shorter than they had been earlier in the 19th century, and some people are even getting weekends now. So this leads to this sort of general rise in leisure activities, and even a lot of poorer people would opt to go to the beach or to the countryside for like a day or two on the weekend if they had the had the time to do that. And I think this is basically what we see coming together here with Sam and the twins and the family all going out, have some leisure activities, have some fun, but also get get out of the musty, yucky air and get some fresh air into your lungs. And with that, I think we're ready to go into our discussion of the book. Excellent. Just to start our discussion, I have a question about the country houses, uh, which is that now a lot of people who 
have a country home or a cottage or whatever you're calling it, a chalet, that's a more rustic way of living. They don't have the same amenities that they do in the city, and that's kind of the point. Um, is that something that's part of the country house in general? Because my sense of Samantha's country house experience is that there is simultaneously an increase in freedom and it's a little bit more rustic, but also it's still just as fundamentally comfortable. Yeah, I think at this point, it's still like you're still maintaining that kind of Edwardian, like, class structure, right? Like you're not going out to the woods to necessarily like actually rough it. And I think they talk about it a little bit in the peak into the past as well with the like idea that you're still having these very, like you still have to play out your class status, even in your country house. So you still have to bring all your servants and all your stuff, but you're just going to do it in like a pine lodge rather than your like Victorian yeah, mansion. Yeah, because it does feel like the absence of an external audience, i.e. neighbors or people in the same class, means that Samantha has a lot more freedom, right? The way that Piney Point is set up is that there's a yeah. main house and then there's all these little cottages and the three girls get their own separate cottage that they get to live in and be in control of. Yeah, so my understanding is that kind of... Um, and I've done a, a little bit of research about this, especially in New York, which you can find on our Patreon <laughs> for break time. The the different levels and different types of summer getaway spaces are really different. Um, one, depending what point in time in the 20th century you're doing this, and two, what your class is. And sort of, and then also like where in the colonial English speaking world you are. So like in England, this is going to be like a totally different experience. And for that, you can look at like for the upper class, like Downton Abbey, right? Downton is their country house. They go into the city and stay in like their little townhouse or whatever. Um, but their like main proper home is their manor house um, for like a another example for like the middle class or like the merchant class uh, you can look at like Howard's End where it's like not a super it's a nice house in the country but it's not like a big named estate it's just a little house and that's and then you have like your townhouse in London that often you would rent so there's like that dynamic in the US it's a sort of different thing and i think it's more similar to like other places in the like former or at this point in time like in the commonwealth right um so this is super popular in canada and australia as well having a more rustic like we're going to go and like do the activities that our like colonial ancestors <laughs> did even though more than likely their colonial ancestors probably weren't doing that if they're like very wealthy like Samantha is and that's where you're going to have like this private camp set up um where you have all of your own servants still there 
Um, it's only people that you're inviting and you're not really actually doing anything, but you're getting into these new kind of sports like mountaineering and uh, like which is what becomes rock climbing and like these weird things with like collecting specimens of animals this is the first time that like really sort of like biology as we understand it starts to begin as like a study for universities um and those are the people who are doing that or just kind of people out on summer holiday or like i drew a sketch of a bird and then they send it to a university and they're like this is a brand new bird it's a whole thing. Um, and then you have like the like thoroughly middle class where they're going to camps that are run and established by other people. So they're like more public. You have to pay to be there for like a week. And they have like a central hall where there's like dining, like a restaurant. And like they have organized activities by the people who own them. Um, and this is what becomes like the mid 20th century camp like we see in Dirty Dancing. Um, and then there's like for the working class like coney island and stuff like that so there's like all different levels of of stuff happening and samantha's at the top of the not in the british metropole version of this vacation yeah but it does it does strike me that even though they're still performing privilege and wealth Mm -hmm. um she has an unprecedented amount precedent an unprecedented amount of independence and freedom uh to make choices for herself yeah um and i don't know what you make of that because i think like this is obviously the driving force behind the plot but uh within the world of samantha it feels like this is a massive departure from we wear our long johns October through June. I mean, I think it kind of makes sense because it seems like in general, right? Like, especially when you're, we're talking about characters who are wealthy enough to have their own, like, established whole, like, complex of summer houses. And I can see that this is sort of like, right, Grand Mary isn't having Admiral Archibald Bemis come round to her real house. Like, oh yeah, he's staying in the boathouse. Okay, Grand Mary. Yeah, he's definitely not staying with you. Sure, sure, sure. Like, it just seems he like... He sneaks out to the boathouse before the sun in- comes up. Can we talk? I'm just saying in general, it seems like the social rules are a little bit more relaxed. Well- And that kind of tracks to me that if you're in your own kind of private area, right? Like you don't have as much external pressure from like neighbors or, you know, like in the previous books, you don't have the nasty like neighbor ladies coming over being like, why is Samantha talking to Nellie? Yeah. Like, so it kind of makes sense to me that, and also there's no school for them to attend, right? So it does kind of track that the kids are to an extent. Well, and we also see like, there is still the staff. We also see in the other the books, house. Samantha goes shopping in town by herself. Uh, they go to the park and end up in a totally different part. In a totally different park by the end of that, by themselves. Um, they were supposed to like go out and like they were supposed to go for a walk in the park, go home, and then go meet everybody in that book by themselves so like i think that there's a level of 
kids are just unsupervised for a significant portion of their like play time. Um, yeah. It's just that the space in which they're allowed to do this is their property and their property now is much larger. Um, and apparently there's like not a huge concern about child drowning. Yeah. Well, I, I want to <laughs> talk about um, Archibald Bemis, the Admiral. I mean, he's, I... he comes out of nowhere and I love yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, can we just talk about him? Because in chapter one, he's definitely the <laughs> the highlight. Where it's just like, okay, boring, boring, boring. They're getting to Piney Point. Cornelia crossing, is boring but, now. You know. <laughs> yeah, everyone's boring. And then you suddenly out of left field get Admiral Archibald Bemis, who visits Grand Mary every summer and is her special friend. And you're like, oh, Grand Mary. He's also the he's the best friend more. of her dead husband. Yep. Grandpa would have wanted it that way. Exactly. Soap opera. He's just looking after his best friend's widow. <laughs> that's right making sure she has all her needs met she's i'm just saying chapter one we get she Bless calls her. him archie he takes her on moon he kisses her rides. hands and every year asks grand mary to marry him. he's kissing more like, than hands is what you're saying mary is playing a very long yes, game and also <laughs> Also, I just appreciate that we get like a full soap opera slash romance novel like B plot happening in the background for no reason. They didn't have to give us that. You could do. You could love it. It's perfect. There will be adults reading. You could do a hilarious like parody (laughs) taking like the adorable nephew character from a romance novel, and and writing a book from his perspective where it's like all these adults are just like smooching and doing romantic picnics on the beach, but I'm. I'm here to do my little activities. Um, oh my gosh. It's fantastic. That's effectively what this book is to me. Like the main character. I love him so Admiral, much. He also sure. He also coheres with the pattern of jovial person, jovial man in uh Samantha's life yeah. shows up with a weird catchphrase and gives her a present. <laughs> <laughs> like he basically vaults out of the little tugboat that brings him guard Cornelia and the demon twins to Piney Point does the entire modern major general and then hands Samantha a captain's hat and a whistle I love him <laughs> yeah he's also British he's a British admiral yeah he comes from England every year to hang out Just with Grandma. But also, he's a, if he's. I mean, I'm assuming he's a retired admiral, um, yeah. because he's a yeah. society figure. He's Grand yeah. Mary's age. He's, yeah, he's supposed to be like I, I assume in his 60s by this yeah. point. Like I'm assuming that's about the age. There's going to be Mary headlines Mary. about the retired admiral running off to America to marry his mm-hmm. bestie's widow. Anyway. I love everything about this, and I can think of at least three or four romance novels that I have read that are essentially this premise, (laughs) and I would read this one. I think it's great, and someone should write it. 
I yeah. Someone, I mean, no so one's no one's stopping you. We're putting, we're putting it on the Patreon. We're writing Subscribe to our fiction. Patreon for the Admiral fanfic. <laughs> Oh uh, producer Sam proposes the, the title the very cuts. model of a modern British admiral and again <laughs> I think that if we can get more Patreon subscribers we can definitely write this fanfic <laughs> you're laughing but you know in your hearts I would yes if, can we set yes, a, I would, like, we need but... to set a, a number for what the <laughs> We need to set a number for how many patrons we need to get at what level for us to write. If we can get, I would say if we get five more Patreons at any level, producer Sam says that he will write it or we can each write it. Oh, do a chapter. Anyway, five patrons. To be clear, this is an American Girlies podcast, which it's got PG-13. So... No one. Get, no, no. It's going to no be extremely wholesome, and definitely not grown up. Um, and yeah, sorry, I forgot that this was the American Girls podcast, not the Admiral Bemis podcast. Um, <laughs> I went off on a reverie. Speaking of, we got to okay, get to everyone else. Get it back to chapter two, where we get to the to the plot, which is there's a thunderstorm and the kids are stuck inside and they're bored. Classic summer behavior. <laughs> like I just well, because I, I okay, I'm reading it and then I'm thinking like, oh yeah, that's like being a kid and having it thunderstorming. That used to be super in the summertime. Boring. Like I assume now it's not because I've kids have time. like like they're when, playing yeah video games and doing yeah. whatever not to sound like an old person being like kids these days but i'm just like yeah that is like kind of a like i don't think it was meant to be like a historical no. tidbit at the time but now i'm like oh yeah, this well, is like well, back back in my day there was yeah, like I mean, back in my day yeah the only thing on boring. tv the Who only thing on tv unless it was a holiday in which case there was a harry potter marathon on abc family the only thing on TV would be like Judge Judy, and I would yeah. I my parents had like time limits on how much we could watch TV, so it was a day where you could just you could read. My my parents or play Monopoly. Yeah. I had one friend who loved to play Monopoly, and uh, it was the, oh, I hated it so much. My parents used to rent this cabin um, that didn't have any internet. It didn't have cell range, and it had three channels on the television. <laughs> it did have a huge collection Honestly, of, of VCRs now, but like freedom I, from constant onslaught yeah, of information. It was kind of glorious. Uh, but when it rained, it was not a huge cabin. So if someone no. put on a VCR that you didn't want to watch, too bad. And like you ended up spending all of your time tucked into various corners reading, rereading whatever novel you'd brought for the holiday, uh, or making art, or like scavenging through the backs of things to try and find something entertaining to do. Yeah. Uh, trivial exactly pursuit the from the 1970s. In the book. This yeah. Is how yeah. They yeah. So the they attic. go scavenging in the attic. And they find a bunch of hats, which I'm pretty sure 
would still be like they're like oh it's the hat with the big with a whole bird on it and they say this like this would be wild at the time this is my one point of historical inaccuracy i think for most of this book i think that this book does a great job and i think that the beginning of the past mostly does a great job um but this one moment this is still the height of the big hat and this is the height of the big bird on hat and in fact the big bird on hat leads directly to the creation of the Audubon Society because the hat, the yeah, fun fact, um, the Audubon Society was in part uh, formed to stop women from putting whole birds on their hats um, because it was endangering, like birds were becoming extinct because of how many of them were getting put on hats. And the Audubon Society was <laughs> created to to prevent women from wearing and it, it led then directly to sort of like hats becoming smaller and less of this massive fashion statement along with the hat pin ban this is also i was gonna say this is also the yes. height of hat pin panic because women <laughs> are wearing these enormous hats that require pins to keep them on there right at the time that like public transit and is men men are allowed to and ride men are being gross and touching gross women on the trolleys so you take your hat pin and you stab Love him it. with it which also yeah. i think is great i think but that's this did lead to the moral panic fine. where uh suffragettes were using their mm -hmm. hat pins to stab cops and stuff yeah uh and people were like these ladies cannot be trusted with accoutrements <laughs> yeah no so accessories there's a, there's, a, there's a few things here and so we yeah. get smaller hats and i can no longer just wear a hat that has an entire like small metropolis yeah. but on top uh the, the that's my one point it. is that they they find these in the attic and these dusty old hat boxes um when they would still be totally fashionable hats in fact they would be like at the, the height of fashion at this moment um but other than that I do appreciate as well that in the scrapbooks and stuff, they're looking at the pictures. The mm. pictures are pretty accurate, including Uncle Guard as a young boy in who has long hair because they don't cut a little boy's in hair. In his little sailor outfit. Yeah, with his I'm little just, shorty shorts. Yeah, and his it. freaky little bangs like FDR. I love those, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so this is where they find this sketchbook where... Samantha's mom had like painted these beautiful little illustrations of herself with her husband and Samantha and it's very cute very touching and then Samantha says okay I want to go to Teardrop Island because this is the other key fact her parents died on a boating accident getting to Teardrop Island which is like a little island off of where the pine piney point is so she'd never wanted to go there before, but now she sees these these pretty little watercolor illustrations and goes, no, now now we have Which, to go. I just, I feel like if somebody dies, so like the, the thing is that there's like this, it's a, a goose lake and it's shaped like a goose. And so you have to go from the big body of the goose where Piney Point Cabin is up through the gooseneck that's all dangerous and full of rapids. Uh, to get up to the goose head where Teardrop Island is. And my question, just sort of about the logic of this story and the people who live inside of it, not so much the history, but just after someone died in the rapids, why wouldn't you just put a little dock for boats 
in the head part of the thing and then like walk or ride a bicycle to that dock through the woods and then take that boat to the the like just across the way to the, instead of going the lake the whole way then no one you're, has to die or you're, get you're serious head injuries logical I mean, this is also how we come to chapter three, and the three girls decide, okay, you know that island where getting to the island literally killed my parents? Let's not tell anyone that we're going. Let's not tell Because they won't let us go. We have to do it a secret. That's safe and reasonable. Which, I mean, are you really telling me that they couldn't get the Admiral to, like, well, and also, get them to that island? I, f- I feel well, like Archie any, would do it for them. At no point Archie is would there a find conversation a about, oh, we can't go there, Grand Mary won't let anyone go there because my mother drowned there. It's, I mm-hmm. hate that place, it killed my parents. And then four pages later, oh, we were so happy there, let's go. Like, at no point is there a discussion that maybe Grandma doesn't hate the island. Or maybe she has a different relationship to it. Yeah, I think I just would have preferred some amount of like, I, I guess, I guess ex- explanation, exposition, something that isn't just okay. Let's go. Let's not tell anyone. Where I'm like, first, first rule of doing stuff. First rule of doing stuff in nature. Yeah. You gotta tell someone where you're going. You don't go on a boating expedition without. Telling someone like, "Hey, if I'm not back by such and such a time," and this is the maybe, thing where, um, you know, like again, I think this is actually one of the better American Girl novels that we've read so far. Yeah, I really think that there needed to be a discussion of you never do this again without telling somebody. You all could have died and or been yes. like the admiral got injured; he could have been seriously injured. You all could have died. This is why even. If you think that I'm going to dislike what you're doing, you have to tell me. Yeah, because in chapter three, they make it to the island, right? It's all fine. They find the waterfall from the paintings. They have a good time. They're exploring. Everything is great. (laughs) Of course, the twins ruin everything because they didn't tie up the I find it really entertaining how the demon twins, who in the past books have been like really cocksure and been like, Oh, we're city girls. We know how to do everything. We know what's fashionable. We know what's stylish. We know what's good. Uh, you put them into nature and they both kind of shrivel up and are like, I don't know what to do. Why did the boat float away? There are bugs. Uh, I say this as somebody who's like famously obedient like- in nature, but <laughs> I have slightly more nature street smarts than the twins. Yeah, and I think, like, we do see, this is where Samantha, you know, quote-unquote, saves the day, because she says, okay, canoe's gone, let's climb to the highest point of the island, we'll see if we can see it in the area, no luck, canoe's gone, it starts raining, so they try to build, like, a signal fire, they try to call for help, Samantha's blowing on the whistle that the admiral gave her, but, you know, it's really hard to actually get a fire started or know that your voice is going to carry enough when it's windy and rainy. So they think, okay, like, I don't know, I guess we're going to have to spend the night here, but they hear a noise and it's the Admiral who had heard the whistle and he's coming to save them. But like, 
yeah, this just feels like a lot of this could have been avoided by just talking to any adult before any of this. But I mean, I guess yeah. then we don't have a plot. Yeah, I wish I do wish that they had gone back to that. It makes me think of that like 127 hours movie where the guy's like, I am such a good hiker slash rock climber that no one needs to know where I am. And then he ends up having to cut his own arm off. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe you don't deserve two arms. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the like, other thing is that I remember that really gross peek into the past for, I think it might have been uh, Kirsten Saves the Day. That was all about how obedience to your parents is the most important thing. It was just super barbastic. Yeah. And obviously it was written by a different person, right? That was mm -hmm. a different author than Valerie Tripp. Um, but it's still the same brand identity. Yeah. And I'm just wondering yeah, um, why Samantha totally gets away with this incredibly ill-advised canoeing expedition. Well, because even in the Kirsten one, Kirsten saves the day. Samantha's saving the day. This is my thing with the saving the day ones, is that uh, they, the girlies get themselves into trouble and then with the help of someone else managed to just scrape out of it and then they're like saved the day i saved it it was like girl if you hadn't fucked the day up it wouldn't need to be saved the only way in which samantha actually saves the day here is that she's the only one of the children not to absolutely lose her marbles in the boat in the storm yes but yeah the other, the twins did all the rowing. The demon yeah. twins put their demon energy. And the only reason that they have a boat is that the Admiral thought ahead and was like, oh, I bet they went to this place that they're not really supposed to go to. And he came on a boat looking for them and heard their whistle. And, but then he slips on the rocks and gets, I'm assuming a concussion because he passes out and doesn't remember anything. Um. And they have to take him back. And yeah, then Grand Mary like wraps him up in a blanket and calls a doctor them. and they all take baths and get warm and everything is fine. Cause Samantha saved the day. Which you're not supposed to do in a thunderstorm. But whatever, what? they were out on it's not a take thunderstorm, a bath? is it? Yeah. Well, I think I mean I think the real danger is that they were on open water in a dinky little boat during a yeah. lightning storm. But technically you're not supposed to bathe either during lightning storms. In case your house gets struck by lightning because yeah. it's a conduit in the pipes and water. Yeah. Okay, well but would they be taking a bath? Yeah. With yeah, pipes? I think Piney Point has plumbing. You know. Did, I yeah. think Piney Point is comfortable water? enough to have plumbing. Well, I don't know. Maybe it they're not. Specify. Maybe they're in a tin tim bucket to try and be a little bit more rustic either way it doesn't matter hugely they all have a bath they all have some hot cocoa it's all fine yeah i feel like we're running out of things to I just say assume if my house gets struck by lightning i'm dead anyway so whatever yes. do we want to move on to the um to the peak into the past yeah the peak into the past is yeah i think we should talk about something peak into the past <laughs> i yeah I, I was gonna say i feel like it was generally good yeah, so like the first 90% yeah. is essentially just, hey, the city smelled and there were poor people full there. Of course, yeah. And we don't want to be there. <laughs> and I do appreciate that they 
The direct quote, vacationers could pretend they were roughing it like pioneers in the wilderness. Like, it's very clear about this, like, okay, part of the thing is, like, oh, we're going to cosplay as Kirsten. They put in all this stuff about, like, um, big game hunting and that, like, they're not actually hunting for food. They're just hunting to, like, show that they can kill stuff. Um, Which is, yeah, totally historically accurate, especially for this class. Yeah, yeah, the people who are doing this. Great, great photo of like the wall of a cabin with just yeah. skulls of various animals that the inhabitants have shot. Yep. That was really special. That was a really good illustration. Like I feel like whoever put this together was doing a decent job. They went the extra mile. Anyway, let's get yeah, to let's our rate the rating book. system. <laughs> uh, what did you think? How was it? Uh, I thought. Oh, what's our rating system? Good. Sorry, not yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. Um, how many ill-advised trips to a deadly island through rapids would you give this? I'm going to start us out with a solid three. I think it's fine, but I don't think there's as much like historical content as we're getting in some of the other ones. Like, I don't think it's necessarily as like historically educational. Um. You know, there's definitely some fun parts, but I just don't think it quite did. Like, this was something where this exact story could have taken place in, like, roughly could have taken place in Mm the 1980s, right? Like, we're at a summer house, we take an ill-advised boat trip, we get rescued by one of our visitors, everyone drinks cocoa at the end, right? Like, it didn't feel as rooted in its time and place as, like, a lot of the other ones did. Yeah, I... But yeah, I agree with you. I'm also giving it a three. I really uh, enjoyed the plot and pacing of this one, but again, I didn't. I didn't feel like it was a particularly rich. I think that's why we're we spent so much time arguing about the peak into the past because they're just it was (laughs) very (laughs) slim pickings in the actual book itself. Not much for us to pick over there. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Like the, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say a four, um, just because like I would have no problem giving this to a kid. I think it's fun. I think a kid would have fun with it. I think as we get into the 20th century girlies, it's going to get less sort of like rooted in a particular time like that. Um, but I did actually really like the peek into the past, aside from the buffalo comments. Um, and I think like it is a huge, important like, it's an entry point to a really big topic. Um, about like how we recreate in the 20th century which is like a a a big thing that many a monograph has been written about (laughs) so I think it's a I think it's a cool a cool thing and it can get people I think it's one of those things that um kids especially from a like family that can afford American girl stuff probably aren't ever going to like wouldn't naturally think about vacations as a thing that didn't always exist you know like it's just a part of their world and so like Mm. saying like hey we should ask questions about these things that seem like just part of your everyday life where do they come from why do we do it why does this exist the way it does uh is a good way to introduce kids to like historical questions like that so yeah i'm doing like a four or 4.5 
Cool. I uh I was gonna I yeah, I uh sorry. We come out with a total of 3.33, which makes this exactly in the middle of the Samantha book so far. <laughs> like, it is middle of the table, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, we all agree it was fundamentally okay. Good for Samantha. Good job, Samantha. And we will see you all next week when there's changes... <laughs> For Samantha in her in her yes, sixth and first, final book. Yes, we will book. see you on our Patreon, where five of you will be subscribing <laughs> so at that any we can... level in exchange for the flirtatious tale of Archibald B. Miss <laughs> and Mary Edwards. 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 Oh, right, because it's her mom's. Right. Yes. Because Mary anyway. Edwards. Yep. Join us on Patreon. American Girlies is a production of the Baba Yaga Project. We are produced by Sam Glee Freeman. We are hosted by Sonia M., Margaret Mathieu, and he- Sorry, can't say my own name. Let's start over. American Girlies is a production of the Baba Yaga Project. We are produced by Sam Glee Freeman. We are hosted by Sonia M., Margot Mathieu, and Hannah Sparwasser Sirocco. Our music is composed and performed by Esther Ruth T. This episode was edited. Yeah.